0: Well, I know you might be watching from your bedroom or your living room, maybe you're even listening in your car, but no matter where you're engaging from, if you grew up with someone or you live with someone who's a great cook, I want you to raise your hand. If you're watching with the person who, who normally does the cooking in your home, you, you might want to raise your hand right now. That's just sound advice Uh, Thankfully, my my wife is a great cook. I grew up with a mom who's a great cook as well, but I'll never forget the time as a kid that our family meal did not go as planned. Uh, My mom went to the freezer and and pulled out a Ziploc bag of shredded potatoes. She was going to fry them up and serve some gravy on them as a side dish. Sounds delicious, but that was not the case. She prepared them the way she she always did, but no matter how long they cooked, they they weren't browning up, they they weren't really changing at all. So she did the best she could, finished the rest of the meal, called us all to uh, the table and and we began to eat. My mom was watching what she ate at the time, so she was not going to have any of the fried potatoes, but we all took a healthy portion and we dug in, but something wasn't right. I stopped eating the potatoes. My brother wasn't eating them. My sister wasn't eating them. My dad was like drowning them with gravy, trying to force them down. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sure if we were all being respectful or, or if my mom had recently come unglued on us for complaining about a meal, but we weren't saying a word. Finally, my mom had enough. She, she got a little piece of a fried potato, put it in her mouth, and her response said it all. Oh, these are horrible. What's wrong with these potatoes? I think a collective sigh of relief came over the the table when we realized the cook acknowledged how bad the food was. She went to the freezer and realized that because the bags were unmarked, instead of grabbing a bag of shredded potatoes, she grabbed, fried, and served turnips, shredded Turnips. I don't care how long you fry turnips or how much you pour gravy on them. You will never produce potatoes out of turnips. And here's the thing. The same principle is true in our faith. No matter how much effort you put into your faith, you can never produce an unbreakable faith. The the great news is, while we live in a fragile world and we we exist in in fragile and broken bodies, we can actually have an unbreakable faith. That, That while we can't produce an unbreakable faith in us, an unbreakable faith can be given to us, and when we have it, it produces some things in me. That's actually the big idea for today. It's the same big idea we had last week, just kind of continuing on with part two of the message today. The big idea is this, I can't produce an unbreakable faith, but an unbreakable faith should produce some things in me. I can't produce an unbreakable faith, but when I have it, when I receive it, it should produce some things in me. If you're joining us for the first time today, or if you don't know who I am, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. And for everyone who is connecting with us, whether you are watching live on Sunday or on demand sometime later, thank you so much for choosing to be with us today. Here at Element Church, we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. And I believe a major, major part of us experiencing the full life that Jesus desires for us to have is by living in and living out an unbreakable faith. This is week number four of a sermon series we're calling Fragile and Unbreakable Faith in a Broken World. We'll be ending the series next Sunday, and the whole series is, is born from one verse in the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. It's our theme verse. Chapter 4, verse 7 says this, We now have this light, the light of Jesus, shining in our hearts, But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. That like this clay pot, we we live in a fragile world and we exist in, in fragile Bodies, but, but through the power of God in Christ and by the presence of His Holy Spirit in us, we not only receive an unbreakable faith, but we can live an unbreakable faith as well. Now, I'm fully aware that, that not everyone who is, is watching or listening uh, believes in, in Jesus. You don't have that faith, and that's, that's totally okay. There's nowhere else we'd rather you be right now than right here with us, and as soon as we open our doors again on Sunday, August 9th, uh, I hope that you'll, you'll join us, uh, even if you never believe what we do. We, we will welcome you and love you and honor you, because that's what Jesus would do, and we want to we love people like Jesus does as well. As we've all seen so clearly in the last several months, we are fragile people. Life is fragile. The economy is fragile. The political landscape is is fragile. Race relations are fragile. We live in a fragile and broken world. And in such a fragile world, with such fragile bodies, the thought of something being offered to me that, that is not only unbreakable, but it's also eternal, is so, so appealing. It should be appealing to, to everyone. Our, our focus, though, should not be on trying to produce faith. Our focus should be on our faith in Jesus And then certain things will be produced in us. Anytime we try and produce faith, it's like frying turnips and hoping you get potatoes. Remember, I can't produce an unbreakable faith. But an unbreakable faith should produce some things in me. So here's the big question we've, we've got to ask. It's the same one from last week. Again, this is part two of last week's message, and it's this. What should an unbreakable faith produce? What should an unbreakable faith produce? The main scripture is 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 11 if you're watching online, all the scripture will be there on the screens. If you have your own Bible, I'd encourage you to follow along. If you don't own a Bible, you can reach out to us online. We'll make sure we get you a Bible. Or well, The easiest thing to do is to download the free Bible app on any smart device called Uversion. It's a great resource for you to have as well. If you missed last week's message or any of our previous messages. You can always get caught up on our website, on the watch page. You can go to our YouTube channel or listen to it on our podcast as well. At the very, very least, I would encourage you to at least watch last week's message to kind of bring you up to speed on where we're at at today. Uh, In in fact, I want to start with with the last verse of last week's message because we're just picking up where we left off last week. Week, So 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, is where we left off last week. The Apostle Paul, writing this letter to a group of Christians in a town called Corinth, says this. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. That by our faith in Jesus, we are given the ability to not just focus on the bad things we see now, which do happen. We are not immune from bad things happening, but now, instead, we focus on the glorious things that are being prepared for us by God in the eternal life that is to come. And then Paul, after that verse, he just continues on. And remember, when this was originally written, there were no chapter numbers or verse numbers. Those were added later to help us navigate scripture and find things. So this is now a continuing thought from verse 18. Four. So he's tying in the last passage. Four. We know. That when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, and he explains, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Which, by the way, is proof there's no camping in heaven. We will have a house, not a tent. Can I get a witness? from the non-campers who are watching today. We, we grow weary, he says, in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies." While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Isn't that a great word picture? God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't have time to dive into this like I want to, but I I do just want to mention it here before we we move on, that eternal life doesn't start when we die. Eternal life starts when we receive the Holy Spirit by putting our faith in Jesus. So so the Holy Spirit is, is an appetizer, if you will, a foretaste of the eternal world, the world that is to come, we live for God with God forever. Then Paul continues, verses 6 through 8. So, again, he's literally saying, because of what I just said, so we are, say these two words with me out loud, we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord, for we live by believing not by seeing yes we are say these two words with me fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we'll be at home with the lord and so much to unpack there that we don't have time to get into so i want to focus on those two phrases always confident and fully confident In the original Greek language that Paul used to to write this letter, both of those phrases are actually from one single Greek word. That Greek word is Tareo, and it means I am courageous, confident of good cheer. I'm courageous, confident of good cheer. Paul says, We are always confident, we are courageous. I can't produce an unbreakable faith, but an unbreakable faith should produce some things in me. And the first thing I see here from this passage is, number one, it should produce a persistent courage. It should produce a persistent courage. Now, in saying that, I don't mean to say that that someone with an unbreakable faith will never have moments or, or ever have seasons where their courage fades or, or lapses. That, that we can't ever have a moment where, where our courage wavers or comes into question. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, even people with an unbreakable faith will face times like that. We face seasons of life where our, our courage or, or our confidence fades a bit we experience things like fear and worry anxiety like those things are real but they are also in real competition to our confidence and our courage i don't know about you but over the last 3 months i've had more than a few moments where where i lapsed in my courage where i lapsed in my confidence And let me just say this to those of you who might have experienced the same thing. It's okay to be there, but it's not okay to stay there. Can I say that again? I don't know why I'm asking. Nobody's in the room, and if you're here, I would have told you again anyway. But it's okay to be there, to be in a place where your courage or your confidence fades a bit, but it's not okay to stay there. And listen, we, we get there by taking our eyes off of the things we cannot see and putting them on things we can see. And we stay there by keeping our eyes fixed on things we can see, the bad things that happen in life. That's why Paul says we don't fix our eyes on things we see. We fix them on things we cannot see, things that last for forever. And when we do, we are given an unbreakable faith that produces a persistent courage, full of courage. Courage is a choice based on what we've already received from God and rooted in what we know we will receive in God one day. It's a choice. It's a choice based on what we've already received, rooted in what we know will come. Albert Barnes said this in in his commentary. It is an instance when the hope of heaven Will enable a man to face danger with courage, to endure toil with patience, and to submit to trials in any form with cheerfulness. It's exactly what Paul is talking about, especially in verse 7 of our main scripture. Look at that one again. For we live by believing, not by our seeing, by sight. If we live by sight, we will always be discouraged. But if we live by faith, we will always be full of courage. One of my declarations of truth that I say over my life on a regular basis is actually born from this verse 7 here. And here's one of the things I say over my life. I won't walk by feelings. I will walk by faith. Feelings lie. They lie. So I won't walk by feelings or by what I see. I will choose to walk by faith and have a persistent courage in the process. Then Paul continues on with verse 9, and he uses one of these connecting words again. So, literally he's tying it into what we've already read. So. Whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. I can't produce an unbreakable faith, but an unbreakable faith should produce some things in me. First of all, we saw it should produce a persistent courage. Second of all, it should produce a pleasing life. A pleasing life. And to clarify if I need to, pleasing to the Lord. Again, this, this doesn't mean that just because I have an unbreakable faith that I will never do anything that doesn't please God. That's not what I'm saying. But I will say a soul that has received an unbreakable faith will consistently live in a way that pleases the Lord. Why? Because he gives us not only the desire, but the power to do what pleases him that's at the core the center of an unbreakable faith uh, first second uh, peter chapter 1 verse 3 the apostle peter says this by his divine what's that word power god has given us everything we need for living a godly life We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And then the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2, 12, and 13, he says this, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Listen, God is not opposed to our effort. We we should work hard in our faith. It says so right here. So, So God's not opposed to our effort. What he's opposed to is our earning, trying to earn our salvation, We don't work hard in our faith for his forgiveness. We work hard in our faith from his forgiveness. We've already received it, so it produces this work in us. That, that by faith in Jesus, we already have the blessing and the favor and the forgiveness of God. So now we can live in a way that pleases him, not for a position of forgiveness and favor, but from a position of forgiveness and favor. That because I have the favor of God and because I've been forgiven from God, I can now live out a life that pleases him. Yes, there are some things we we need to do in our faith to sustain our faith. There, There are some practical things we do to sustain our unbreakable faith. We're actually going to get into that next Sunday as we close out the series, but an unbreakable faith should just produce in us the desire and the power to live our lives in a way that please the Lord. Our goal, Paul said, is to please him. And that leads right into the last section of our main scripture in verse 10. Paul says this, for. And again, Paul is connecting now this whole passage together. He's saying, our goal is to please him. And here's why this is so important. He's what he's saying. We must. All stand before Christ to be judged. Let that sink in for a moment. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in this earthly body. Wow. That's what you call a theological, oh crap moment. That, that yes, we, we lean on, we rely on the undeserved, unmerited, unearned mercy and grace and forgiveness of Jesus for our salvation. But make no mistake about it. You cannot read the New Testament. You cannot read the, the words of Jesus and escape the very sobering reality that there is a judgment coming. There's a judgment that's coming. A judgment for the way we live our lives. The judgment of God is a very clear New Testament reality that to ignore will be ignoring it at your own peril. So I can't produce an unbreakable faith, but an unbreakable faith should produce some things in me. It should produce a persistent courage. It, it should produce a pleasing life, which leads right into this third one. Number three is this it should produce a preparation for judgment. A preparation for judgment. My my goal here is not to scare us <laughs> into any decision. Fear is a great manipulator. It's a horrible motivator. Uh, Fear will actually get you to do something for a short while, but not for the long haul. Fear can't sustain your faith. And while, yes, Paul was very clear in his teaching that a judgment was to come, he was actually rooting this judgment not in fear, but in the hope of a future. This is so huge. Uh, Remember, all of this is tied to the fact that this earth is not our forever home. That when we leave this earthly body by faith in Jesus, we'll have a home in heaven. I want that to be our motivation. Not the fear of hell, but the freedom of of heaven, the freedom of, of eternal life. Not just a life one day after we die, but a full life today while I'm still alive. I want that to be our motivation. And also, I want us to see this. It goes right along with last week's verses about seeking others for God. We should not just be preparing ourselves for judgment. We should actually be preparing others as well. The last verse of our main scripture, verse 11, says this. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too, that that not only do I want to be ready for judgment, I want to help others be ready as well. So in everything I do and everything I say, am I doing it in light of the judgment that is to come? Am I doing it in light of trying to persuade others about the wonderful grace and life of Jesus for those of us who are who are Christians? Those are great questions to ask. Am I living my life? Am I saying the things I say and doing the things I do in light of the judgment that is to come? In light of the the, the chance and opportunity we have to persuade others to believe in the wonderful grace and life of Jesus. I want to pray for those of us who, who are Christians. But but maybe we we're not living out one of these areas very well in our life. Maybe our, our courage has faded. Maybe we've neglected that focus on on making pleasing God our goal, maybe we're just not doing a great job of keeping in mind the judgment that is to come, not just for us, but for those in our life. So if you just need to receive prayer on any of those things, I would ask you just to receive this prayer from me on your behalf. Father in heaven, Lord, I know how easily it is for us to to start to forget the very sobering reality that this life is not all there is. There's another life to come. And Lord, I pray that while we live in this life, we would not just be focused on the things we see, but on things we can't see. That it would produce in us a persistent courage courage to, to face these things in life that, that are so so hard to, to navigate. Lord, I pray it produces in us a pleasing life, pleasing to you. Lord, our goal is to please you. And Lord, if there's anything in our life that is not pleasing to you, would you shine your light on it and remove it from us? And Lord, may we live in a way that is in preparation for judgment, not in a fearful, manipulative way, but Lord, in a way that's filled with hope, hope for ourselves and for other people when we live our lives for you. Lord, help us live out this unbreakable faith that you produce in us. And now for those of you who maybe don't believe, the reason this judgment is is such a big deal is because of the problem of sin. All all of us have sinned. None of us are immune from that. The problem is, the curse of sin is, our sin separates us from God. And if our sin goes undealt with, it will be an eternal separation. But God loved you and loved me so much. He had a solution. His name is Jesus. God in the flesh He came as one of us. He modeled a perfect life for us. He died because of us, paying the price for our sins. But three days later, he rose victorious so that any one of us, no matter who you are and no matter what you've done, by faith in Jesus, we can not only be forgiven of our sins, but we receive from him a new life today and the power to live our lives for him every day, to have access to this persistent courage, to live a pleasing life, and to to model our lives in such a way that we are preparing ourselves and preparing other people for the judgment that is to come. And then one day, one day, we're all going to be judged. And by our faith in Jesus, we can spend eternity with him. If that's you today not from a place of fear, but a a place of a future. And you've never put your faith in Christ. I want you to do that right now. You can simply pray this prayer silently in your heart to God. He hears you right where you are. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sins and rose from the dead. So Jesus, I believe in you, that you are God and you paid the price for my sins. Forgive me of all of them, everything I've done. Wash me clean, make me new. I repent from my old sinful life and I turn to follow you by your power in a new life. I receive from you salvation. Help me, Lord, live out that persistent courage. Help me, Lord, live a life pleasing to you. And help me, Lord, remember the reality of the judgment that is to come. Lord, may that motivate me and sustain me to live my life for you, born from your love and grace for me. Thanks for loving me, Jesus. I'll do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you're watching on the live platform and you just asked Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins, we're so proud of you. We want to welcome you to the family and we want you to let us know so we can offer you some resources. Just click the button that says, I commit my life to Jesus and we will welcome you and offer you those resources. Or you can also text the word one to the number on your screen, 41400. Text the word one to 41400, and we want to welcome you, celebrate with you, and offer you some great resources, free resources, as your next step in following Jesus. Guys, I'm so glad that you tuned in today. I cannot cannot wait to be with you again in person. But till then, we'll continue doing this. I pray that you're weak, be filled with courage, that you'd live your life to please him and that you live in such a way that it prepares our hearts and the hearts of others for the judgment that is to come. God loves you and I love you so much. Have an amazing day.